Hey, hockey fans, T-Boss is 13-3 here with Top Shelf guest, Crookston, Minnesota native, former St. Cloud Husky, three-time Clark Club champion winning head coach of the Omaha Lancers, longtime head coach of Minnesota State at Mankato, and current head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers, Mike Hastings. This episode is sponsored by Riverside Bike and Skate, Computer Recovery Associates, Eau Claire Ford, Markin & Johnson, Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, which has been committed to the healthcare needs of patients in western Wisconsin since 1954. The orthopedic surgeons and athletic trainers serve many area schools in the Chippewa Valley. Mogi. Hey, we are so excited that Coach Hastings has taken a few minutes with us uh, talk a little bit of hockey in his new position as the head coach at Wisconsin. Uh, we're excited. You've had phenomenal success in your past, and I know the people of Wisconsin are hoping that that success continues here with the Badgers. So welcome to the show, Coach. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I've been uh, following you for a while, and I've listened to a few of your shows and uh, love the passion. I uh, love you spreading the news about such a special game. And, uh, you know, in the Midwest, this is something that plays real well. So I appreciate you having me on your show. Oh, we're, we're honored to have you here. Absolutely. And yeah. Let's start all a little bit with your youth. You know, you uh, grew up and were raised in Crookston, Minnesota. How early did you start strapping on the blades? Well, I was, for the first six years, I was born in Eugene, Oregon. Um, and this is dating me a little bit, but my dad took me. I saw Jim Plunkett play quarterback. Uh, I, was, I was a duck. I was born a duck. Sure. Right? I resemble that a little bit. When he was bit. at Stanford? Uh, yep, when he Holy was at Stanford. Holy you are dating yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you can understand why I have no hair. Uh, it's just time ticks away. And so uh, first six years there, my father moved back and took the family back to Crookston, Minnesota. He was uh, his old classmate uh, to this day still owns um the strata corporation and it was bradshaw jim bradshaw uh, in grand forest north dakota crookston's about 22 23 miles from there and my dad came back and started a branch of of uh, bradshaw gravel and strata corporation in crookston and so he was in the construction business we got back there the only skates i had had on at that time were rollerblades uh and not the ones they have now <laughs> they had four wheels and they were side by sides um and so that's where my skating started and then when you when you get to minnesota you know, you do what everybody else does, and that was hockey. And so they they started me by putting a pair of skates on me, and they saw that didn't go very well. So I ended up starting to be a goaltender uh, when I was seven. Uh, that didn't go so well. They tried to play me up front. That was even worse. And so that's how I became a defenseman. <laughs> so There you go. Yeah. JC, what position do you play? I'm a proud defenseman, Mo. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, awesome. Coach. Yeah. Okay. So you're in Crookston, uh, absolutely the hotbed of hockey in the Midwest, Minnesota. How was it? How was it playing Minnesota high school hockey? Oh, it was, it was two sides of it. And again, I'm a little on the older side, so it's not as accomplished from border to border that it is today. Um, you know, when I was growing up, you had the Iron Range and you had Northern Minnesota hockey, and we were a little bit, you know closer to the North Dakota side than up on the range itself. Uh, I grew up watching the Broughtons play in Roseau um, and, and seeing some of the teams in War Road. Uh, you know, was lucky enough to see those guys roll into Crookston and, and watch that whole Broughton line play together. Um, and then I was the same age as Pauly. So when Pauly was a senior before we went to the University of Minnesota, um, we, we played against each other in high school hockey. And so, you know, 
what I learned right away, you there were three things. You, you could either play a little bit of basketball, uh, you could play a little bit of hockey, or you just farm full-time. And that was about the way it was up there. And so sure. fortunate, my the buddies that we I grew up around were playing the game of hockey. Nice. Well, you picked the right sport, that's for sure. And now you look back at where you started with all these positions where your parents <laughs> are moving you around. You end up with defensemen. Obviously... It blossomed into into a, a great position because you ended up playing in the USHL, and what was that like jumping at that time from high school up to the USHL? Well, two things. I was fortunate in high school to work with uh, Mike Lumby, who was a former defenseman, I believe, at the University of North Dakota, um, and Scotty Clevin. So that that started the piece of of becoming a defenseman at the, the high school level, and then. Frank Saratori will take all the credit in the world for me becoming a defenseman because he told me <laughs> when, he, when he first saw me, he said, Rubble, he says, hey, you, you couldn't play a one-on-one if I'd have paid you a hundred bucks. So <laughs> he, he, he's the one that will take all the, all the success if there was any about, uh, myself becoming a defenseman. And, uh, Frank, uh, even to this day is still iconic. Like if, if there's anybody more comfortable with a microphone than you guys, it's him uh, in front of him because, uh, he's somebody that can, uh, you know, he, he could motivate anybody. And so I was fortunate to be able to play junior hockey for him one year in Austin and then one year in Rochester. So, okay. All right. So. We know how you ended up there. So when did uh, St. Cloud State start calling you? You know what? That, that was kind of a late one. A um, couple of schools. I was playing for Frank um, and had an opportunity to play with a really good hockey team um, in, in Austin. The, we were fortunate to win the league championship, and so there were a lot of guys. Uh, Pete Stauber from Duluth, who ended up going to Lake State and winning a national championship. Um, Ralph Barahona, who was Calif- from California, who ended up playing at Lake State and winning a, a title and ended up playing in the National Hockey League. We had a good hockey team, so I was fortunate to be around that group. And as colleges were coming and watching the USHL, maybe not what it was today, uh, you know, I had some of the, I would say probably the, the, the middle tier at that time. I had some conversations with uh, Fairbanks. Um, and then you had, you know, the USIC was going on then. There were other schools, but at the end of the day, um, when Herb got the job, I got a call and I was pretty set. I had just gone up and visited at Bemidji, uh, with Coach Peters and was close to committing to Bemidji until Herb called and it was a little bit closer. And at that time, obviously, uh, Herb standing was something that took me back and I don't, I don't, they must have had a hole to fill. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think they went down the recruiting chart and said, yeah, we got to go get this one. But I'm really glad that he decided to, to pick up the phone and give a call. Wow. That's a you know, looking back. Brooks, man. Oh, exactly. Cow, how could you turn that down? And looking back at his, his legacy, what was that like playing for him? I think it was only for one year, but yeah. you had that opportunity to, to be coached by one of the best. What, what was that like for you on the ice? Uh, you know, what? It was, uh, right up front, it was intimidating at first um, because Herb, and if you talk to our team, and Bob Motzko was there at that time uh, as a coach. And, and so, you know what? It was, it was a little intimidating. The assistant coach was Craig Dahl, who I ended up playing for after that. Uh, but, you know, and people have asked that if there was anything that really stuck out. The one thing I'd say is you didn't want to let him down. And I don't know if that was the intimidation factor or, or but I, I will tell you, you didn't want to disappoint him because uh, 
obviously he's you know rest his soul but he was somebody that could motivate people and he he understood what it was to get and pull the strings on each and individual each and every individual on your team to get you to want to play for each other and that was something that i thought was a gift of his so herb was there for a year and then you you folks were d2 in the process of moving up to d1 so the next year you were d1 with coach Dahl. so what was that step like going from two to one well we were still we were playing a kind of a hybrid schedule we were still playing um some division three some division one games and you know what it was it was one of those where we didn't know any better it was you know herb had kind of indoctrinated the idea of hey you know what if you're going to go out and play it didn't matter who you were competing against it didn't matter what level you were playing at there was an expectation of a success and so okay. uh when craig went in the great thing that craig did is craig just was himself he didn't try to be herb uh which i think was something that i guess i took away on the idea of you got to be yourself and craig did a really good job at, at i think establishing that program and getting it to to where it was when he left i thought was uh, a pretty big accomplishment from a really good man your career per se was shortened by an injury can you expand for us and the listeners what what happened to, to stop your career? Yeah, I fractured my lower two vertebrae, um, oh, and oh. and but again, it wasn't. It was it was back in the day where, you know, and I've had second thoughts about it as you know they it was either going to be fused, which I would have lost a little bit of mobility um, for good, um, but it would have allowed me to continue to play or not to. And so really that was, that was my choice, um, on making the decision and, and decided not to do it. And we've already mentioned him. Craig Dahl was really instrumental in allowing me to stick around. I was able to keep some of my scholarship. Uh, and he said, Hey, listen, why don't, why don't you help us out a little bit? And it was scouting. It was watching some video. Uh, it was a little different because I was still going to the same bar as the guys <laughs> were. <laughs> But yet I was going to a different locker room when we go to the rink. Um, so that, that transition was a little different. Um, so that was educational on understanding how important it is to find those lines as an assistant coach at making sure that you understand which side of the fence you need to be loyal to. Uh, so that was a great experience for me because it helped me understand that perspective sooner than later. So obviously you knew at some point your career was going to end. Okay, your hockey career, be it injury, be it whatever, you age out, whatever. Um, but you had this opportunity to stick around with the team, scout, assistant coach. Had you been thinking about that type of thing as you were progressing, or did you have no idea what you wanted to do when you finished playing and finished school? Because look what this turned into for you. Holy cow. Yeah, again, for you, you look back and – it's amazing how somebody or some person or some opportunity can come in and impact a direction. Really, I was just trying to keep my scholarship check at that time. To be to be honest, it was it was I, because otherwise I was going to have to go out and I was going to have to meet the middle, and it would have been doing something a little different. So that was the the first honest the first start. The second part was, you know, I was going to school for education. I wanted to be a teacher. Um, was you know just got done with student teaching uh, staying on the coaching side there until i graduated and then i just got done with student teaching phone rang at, at my apartment and it was mike genzel mike genzel was the head coach uh, down in omaha and he just called and he said hey what do you think about coming down and being my assistant down in omaha 
and hadn't thought about it. Uh, tried to figure out, you know, can I get there? How can we get there? Went down, met with him and, and was afforded the opportunity. And that was a really big piece for me because being a, a mama's boy, being somebody that was around Minnesota his whole life, other than St. Cloud, I thought it was a really big drive from Crookston to St. Cloud. <laughs> um, and then to get to another state and get to really some life lessons in the USHL uh, was a great opportunity provided to me by Mike Genzel. Nice. Well, that turned out pretty damn good. I think you were down there for 12 years, and we know what drew you down there. But you had one hell of a recipe for success. You win three Clark Cups. We had a former player of yours from Mankato on, uh, Andy Carroll. And Andy mentioned that as a coach, he liked you because you were stern, but you were fair. And I'd like to know, was that what you brought to Omaha at that time to, to, to bring in this championship team? Or what was your recipe for success? Well, the first of all, it, it mirrors a little bit of what it was at, at St. Cloud, and it was survival. Uh, I, I probably was afforded the opportunity to be a head coach in Omaha too soon. I wasn't... I wouldn't say I was exactly ready for that. The people that had gone before me, the Mike Genzels, uh, the Frank Seratories, uh, even Dave Mournville, they had had success. They'd hung banners down in Omaha when Omaha started in the USHL. And I was just trying to not get fired uh, to begin with. It was holding on. I think I, and I've said this multiple times, I squeezed every ounce of fun out of the game of hockey uh, for the for the team that we had um, just because I was trying to keep my job. And I was able to survive that more than thrive. And what things started to turn around for me was when finding out investing in the players a little bit more than just worrying about myself uh, helped me grow a little bit more as a coach. And I think the players started to uh, enjoy their time a little bit more. And once we got a little bit of a connection like that, it seems like we had more of an opportunity to win on a consistent basis. I read somewhere, and correct me if I'm wrong, that at, at one point you had an exchange with the player where you met in the hallway in passing and he said hi to you or in something, and I don't know if you grunted or you did something, and the kid stopped and turned around and said, Coach, don't you ever smile. <laughs> what an eye-opener that must have oh, been for you. Holy we talked to and actually it's Brian Swanson, who his son, Max Swanson, is playing for Fargo and going to go to the University of North Dakota. And it was Brian Swanson. It was in February. And I, I meant what I said. I, I wasn't making it very fun for the players to come to the rink. And, uh, so Swanee walked by and he said hello. And I, I don't even know if I grunted. It was, I was worried about what was going to happen that day. And, uh, you know, he did. He, he says, Hey, coach, don't you ever smile? And I, I kind of laughed it off, walked in the door. And then I thought, hmm, uh, Maybe not, you know, and, and so again, we all, I've learned more from screwing something up or making a mistake than I have for anything that's gone well. And that was one where I started to reflect a little bit. I wasn't getting a lot of phone calls during the summer months, wondering how the kids were doing and how I was doing. Um, after I started to invest in the players a little bit more and developing those relationships, all of a sudden they did start caring even a little bit more about myself and my family. And so it was a great experience for me. I'm glad I was able to survive. I owe Ted Bear, uh, the junior coach 
uh, a lot because he uh, could have fired me and didn't and allowed me to work through that and it gave me a little bit of confidence as a coach. Was that maybe a turning point where the uh, the <clears throat> coaching position, instead of a job, it became more fun for you going to the rink um, in that eye-opening instance? It does because you, you, you're you not so focused on just and, – and this is over time. Wins and losses have a tendency to take care of themselves if you're doing – what you can be doing in a positive way or, or, you know, getting a greater group, surrounding yourself with good people, bringing in players that, that are a little bit more we driven than me driven. And, and yeah, then it becomes fun. You know, the, the wins and losses have a tendency to not always take care of themselves, but there's more of a propensity for that to happen. I think if you've got a, a group that understands that you're caring about them as much as people as you are as a player. So, JC mentioned your coaching style a little bit earlier, and I had a question about uh, you've been described as demanding, emphasizing details, accountability, intensity, giving more, no shortcuts, and especially no slack given to star players. I tell you, that must lead to a pretty strong locker room and group of players that they're all held to the same high standards. Well, I, I, we all have sat in those locker rooms before, you know, being from Minnesota and you being from your background up in the Uper. When you were in a locker room and, and there was entitlement or somebody was able to get away with something that maybe you couldn't get away with, you can justify that when somebody has, uh, you know, different guys are going to play different amount of minutes. Yeah. Uh, you got a power play guy that double as a penalty kill guy that might be your top six. You can make sense of that when you're in that locker room. But when you start talking about some of the other things as far as uh, being a good teammate, uh, being in the weight room, doing what you need to be doing in the classroom, those types of things, I think those are the things, or I hope those are the things that the players that I've had an opportunity to coach look at and say those were kind of the non-negotiables, um, the idea of working hard and doing everything which is within your control. But at the end of the day, you, you hope that locker room, because that's the thing we all miss. Right, we missed the locker room oh, yeah, because the there, there was no hiding. Right, <laughs> if if you did something you shouldn't do, you were getting called out on it. It wasn't the coach, um, and and so we all long for those days. So you want your locker room to be as harmonious as it can be, um, and so those are some of the things that I've learned along the way. Nice. You eventually make your way um, out of you know Omaha, and you go to Division One. As a head coach, you get your shot at Minnesota State at Mankato. Did they come looking for you? Did you apply for the job? How did that transition occur? Yep, I applied for the job. Um, previously, before Mel took the job at Tech, I had tried to get in there a little bit. Um, okay. I knew once I get out of the USHL, I needed to get back into the college game. Don Lucia was good enough, uh, you know, a really good friend Dean Blaze was good enough to give me an opportunity to get back into the assistant position in college hockey after being in the USHL and doing that I, I did want to get back to being a head coach in college hockey if the opportunity was there and uh, you know tech I've always had a, a, a real shining for just because I've as we were talking before we got on the air is, is the podcast is I, I've just got a lot of respect for the, the area the rink uh, the energy um, and and so when that wasn't an opportunity and Minnesota opened up I went after it uh, Dean helped 
uh, called on my behalf and I was able to get an interview and given an opportunity by that administration. It's one that was life-changing for me. So instead of going professional, you wanted to go college. I know you had dabbled a little bit in some college coaching earlier before the USHL, but uh, any reason why you didn't go pro or just not interested, wanted to stick with the younger kids? Uh, you know what, I think if I look back on it, it was probably more opportunity-driven. I, I did interview for an American League position uh, when I was in the USHL. I didn't get it and, you know, kind of got back into the junior thing and then, you know, a lot of the peer groups that I was around, uh, guys that had influenced myself, like I said, Don Lucia, Dean Blaze, I've always liked the college game because I think there's a focus on balance. There's an academic piece, there's a social piece, and there's an athletic piece. And, um, and not that that isn't expected at the pro level because you have to manage your business um, in all three areas, but I just, I, I like the idea that it wasn't just the idea of driving to play pro hockey you needed to try and have some balance in your life so that whether the game worked out for you or not you were prepared to be successful right wow Uh, very valid points we're going to give a quick shout out to a couple of our sponsors riverside bike and skate eau claire's hockey headquarters which is the oldest hockey store in the state of wisconsin buy hockey gear from the people that play and know the game and don't forget about their bicycle sales and service as well as your paddle sports center for kayaks and canoes and Eau Claire Ford Lincoln Quick Lane with a large selection of new and used vehicles available. We buy nice used vehicles any day of the week except Sundays. Eau Claire Ford is here for all your parts and service needs for your vehicle. Ask us about our pickup and delivery options as well as Saturday service appointments. Visit us today in store or online at EauClaireFord.com and I will tell you I've never been disappointed with the service I have received there. Mogi. All right. So I did my research before last weekend, so some of my numbers are a little inaccurate here. So at the time, you had 299 career wins, but now you're up to 301. Congratulations on that. That's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. So your winning percentage at that time was uh, .719, and... Without uh, even with those two addition additional wins, you've got the highest winning percentage of active coaches in in college hockey. Congratulations! Thank you. How how are you able to do this year after year? Uh, so you know what, a couple of things that come to mind when that question gets gets asked, and I, I will tell you, and it's no different than what you guys are doing. You surround yourself with good people. I've been real fortunate. I didn't have a lot of turnover in the USHL uh, when I was there. Since I've been in college hockey, you know, Todd Knott's been riding shotgun with me since day one. Uh, The university did an unbelievable job at allowing me in every position, whether it was the strength coach, whether it was the trainer, uh, Darren Blue when I started there, and then Polly Kirtland when I left. first and foremost being surrounded by really good people Uh, the second thing then is having them have uh, an influence giving them direction but then getting out of the way and allowing them to bring to the table what they can bring to the table at recruiting you know good human beings as well as good hockey players Um, and so at both stops you know going to minnesota state now coming to wisconsin benefited from what the previous staffs had done when i was at msu we had we had good hockey players there when i got there um same thing here and so i've benefited by one the 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 player pool obviously 
coaches go nowhere without their players, <laughs> right? You watch it in the NHL <laughs> when, the when somebody wins a Jack Adams and the next year they're fired by December. <laughs> right. I don't think they just had amnesia. They forgot right? everything. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> uh, and so I guess more so some stability and, and surrounding myself with really good people and then, uh, you know, allowing those people to do what they do and, and go out and try and recruit the, the people that have a little bit of the same philosophy. You know, Coach, the successful people that we have interviewed talk about the same thing you just did. And the one thing that I notice and Mogi notices is there's never an I in a sentence. It's always a we or I have help. And you have spot on said that, you know, you have had a core group of people that have helped you to success. And we appreciate the fact that you recognize that, but also we would like to recognize the fact that Obviously, those people liked working with you, and you have brought success along with those people. So congratulations to you and your winning percentage. Well, thank you. And I, I, you guys, it's the, I think the reason you hear that probably more often than not is because it's just a fact, right? I mean, nobody, if, if you're not surrounded by really good people, it's a lot more difficult. And I've been blessed that way. Uh, and again, I had ownership in the USHL uh, that allowed me to not only hire those people, but retain them. Because as you guys know, when you have good people that are around you, people come knocking at Other those people doors. people want them. Absolutely. Right? They come knocking at those doors. And if, if you can't provide uh, an environment, and at time that environment is salary, opportunity uh, to, to continue to grow, they need to go somewhere else. And some of them were able to do that and been very successful, like Keith Fisher going to Penn State and building what he has built there um, and, and seeing different guys go out and be successful. I'm happy for them, but I appreciate the comment. I got to tell you, um, when I heard that you got this job, I had known that you had Todd Cannot working with you for a long time down at Mankato State University. And I thought, okay, who's going to be the next coach? And I just kind of thought that he was going to be, it would be a no-brainer, right? He knows the kids, he knows the program, knows the school. He's just going to step in and away we go, you know, no changes. But here he is down here with you in Wisconsin. What was his motivation? Uh, Was that an opportunity, do you think, for him? Or he just loves working with you that much that he wanted to come down to Madison? No, it was definitely an opportunity for him uh, to to stay there and, and become the head coach. I know the administration had talked to him and you know, I, I learned this a long time ago. Perception a lot of times in our sport is reality. Okay. How you're perceived. Um, but there's other times where, where if you don't know the ins, the outs, you know, Todd's got a young family. Uh, Todd is going to be successful, whether he was going to be at Wisconsin or whether he was going to stay at MSU. He'd been there for quite a long time. 11 years with myself and I think four or five years prior to that um, all of us understand if you're going to spend 30 plus years that happened back in the day it's not happening anymore when you stay and you can survive 20-25 years in one spot what Tommy Siratori is doing at Bemidji right now I the next one that sits in that seat I don't know if they're going to have the success that Tommy Serratori or the longevity of what Tommy Serratori uh, has, has experienced as well as some others. And so, you know, I, I think that's a question you need to talk to Todd about. But sure. to me, yeah. um, I told him when we, we had met 
previous, about two years before that, and I talked to him. I said, hey, my goal would be you either get in the seat that I'm sitting in or I'm going to try and make it difficult on you to not come with me because that's what I think of you. And so that happened. He had the opportunity, and he chose to come with. I'm, I'm blessed, fortunate, glad that he did that, but obviously would have understood if he thought that was a time and place for him to start his head coaching career. I do think he's going to have other opportunities. Yeah. I, I think he's really good at what he does. And uh, Todd's been a guy that always lives in today, not yesterday or tomorrow. And I think he'll continue to be successful wherever he's at. Something to be said about that. <clears throat> You're not Wisconsin. When the opportunity came open, did you knock on Wisconsin's door or did they knock on your door? Well, and it's different nowadays. Mm -hmm. It used to be, uh, you know, an, an AD or somebody in that department would give a call to somebody and they'd reach around and give somebody <laughs> else a call. And then you'd get it fourth party. I, a search firm gave me a call and said, hey, you know, would you take a phone call? And I said, yes. Um, and so that's how it started. Um, it was a really quick process it wasn't something that took over a long period of time um and you know i informed uh you know msu that there was going to be a conversation and had the conversation with wisconsin and it moved rather quickly so here you are in wisconsin and there's a there's a new thing out there called the the portal with with players and we want to ask you a little bit about that um you know wisconsin had been struggling. That's no. That's no secret. Everybody knows that for the past few years, and some changes had to be made. And and here you are, and and you did bring some guys with you from from Minnesota State, Mankato. So, how how do you feel about that college portal? Just you know, the the big picture. You know, the old school in me. You know, and I don't care who you listen to in football, basketball, baseball, and even hockey. The old school is is that's not the way we did it. Okay. But I'm also going to tell you, I think we need to grow as much as we ask our athletes to grow on our perspective of living in today. It's here and it's staying. The, the power of the pen's gone back to the athlete. And I'm not going to say that that's a bad thing. Okay. Um, because to me, you know, and I'll, I'll just flip it in a hurry. I had an opportunity to leave Minnesota State University. Okay. I, I wasn't bound by, um, a contract at that moment there are other places that bind their coaches yeah. you know by via contract so i was able to leave and pursue something that i thought was better for my family and so when you're talking about young men and and them having that option i think it's pretty hard to argue it might have because of what it was before we can argue that point but the transfer portal is not going anywhere and so to me it for, as my job right now I need to continue to get to know it, understand it better. I don't believe, I hope here, that's never going to become the foundation of our recruiting. Uh, I yeah. don't know if that is sustainable, if you're in the portal uh, for a great number or if there are a lot of guys that are leaving your program. You know, some of it's necessity, some of it's team building, and, and depending on what year it is, I think you might have to be more on one side than another. But I hope the transfer portal isn't something that, I hope we can use it as a supplement. I hope we don't have a lot of guys that want to get out of the University of Wisconsin and want to look elsewhere because hopefully we're going to build a culture here that it's one that they feel as fortunate as I do to be a part of this. 
We're going to take another couple of minutes for our sponsors. Computer Recovery Associates specializes in removing, monetizing, and recycling computer hardware from large data centers. Whether you're looking to relocate, repurpose, sell, or recycle, Computer Recovery Associates can help. Check them out at computerrecoveryassociates.com. And thanks to our friends at Market & Johnson, longtime supporters of the great game of hockey and our youth throughout the Chippewa Valley region. Obviously, Coach, your winning record was one of the reasons that Wisconsin reached out to you. Is there something that they offered or provided that was kind of the deciding factor that made you want to come here? Well, you know what? I'll, I'll use Don Lucia as a, a little bit of a back, background here. When I worked from the first year, the only year that I worked from at the University of Minnesota, Don had been into his ten, tenure for and a successful one, had, had hung a couple of national championship banners uh, and had brought in the program back to national prominence. And so we were talking and we started discussing just about becoming a head coach. And I had talked to him as a mentor and just said, hey, you know, what do you think is the best path? And he goes, well, it, he goes, I don't know if I can tell you what the best path is, but I can tell you no matter what it is, success, uh, every periodic your your two three years you have some success um you do it for 10 straight years at about that 10-year window everybody gets tired of your stick you know <laughs> yeah you, you run out of rope and 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 um you know i at the time i'm like hey i hope i have the opportunity to answer that question because it means i've been somewhere for 10 years uh you know what i had been at at msu and things that that city the university the support every year it seemed like that just continued to grow a little bit and you know you, you always want to try and leave a place better than when you found it and that mike genzel told me that when i was with the omaha lancers he he just you know he, he turned the keys over he said no don't screw this up <laughs> you know he said he no goes yeah yeah he, he goes just can you you know make sure it's better you know, when you leave than when you found it. And I, I, I felt with all the people that we've already discussed, the program had continued to grow. And, uh, you know, both my children had gone to college and they were moving on in their own spots in their lives. And, you know, guys, we grew up. I know we're not too far away from each other as far as the, the age that we are. And I know what I grew up in the old WCHA and what I thought of the University of Wisconsin and, and their standing in, in college hockey and the respect that I had for it because of what I'd seen previously. And, you know, I, I, I worked with Mike Eves when I, when I was at St. Cloud for a little bit when he was there for a, a bite. And uh, Tony Granato, I watched, you know, hang banners here and, and set records. And so the respect that I had for the program and then having an opportunity to meet, uh, you know, McIntosh and, and seeing what his vision was for Wisconsin hockey, it was something that uh, I really looked at and said, you know what, I, I needed the blessing of the boss. I asked my wife if this is something she'd be able to <laughs> to hop on board with. And she said, you know what, absolutely, because, you know, Mac involved her in the interview process. And so I thought it was special. And every day since I've been here, it's it's been confirmed. It's it's a, 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 an opportunity that I thought was something we couldn't turn down as a family. And I'm very blessed to have it. You uh, are jumping from the CCHA to the Big Ten. Different teams, different leagues. Do you prepare a team any differently now in this league than what you would have in the CCHA? I don't think so. 
Okay. Uh, I haven't so far. Um, you know, I've said this to teams before. I said, thank God hockey's not that complicated. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to coach it, <laughs> right? And, and so at the, at the end of the day, uh, I don't think there's any magic potion that, that we mix up as coaches. At the end of the day, it's it's getting to work and, and trying to be detailed, as you said, in what you're doing. And you recruit athletes, and at times you need to get out of the way. Um, I've learned that, that, um, you know, nobody's so important and that, you know, like I said before, teams are the ones, the, the ones that are driven from the inside of that locker room are the ones that are most successful. And so, you know, it's just like I said, it's, it's one where I, I think the longer you're at it, the more, the more excited you get on a yearly basis of trying to impact, whether it's on the ice or, or another aspect of a young man's uh, development so that he can be prepared to go out into the world. That's a pretty tough place right now. Coach, you, your, your coaching resume is, is phenomenal. You've won multiple championships, multiple league and national coach of the year awards, your sky high winning percentage. The people of Wisconsin are just so tickled to have you down here. They're just so excited. Are you going to be able to recreate your magic down here with the Badgers? I know that's their expectation. <laughs> no pressure again, yeah, Coach. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We'll, uh, I, I will tell you this. I guess the best way to answer that is we're going to do everything that we can to try and make sure that, you know, when, when somebody walks in the building and they put their credit card a dollar on the plate and they say, hey, you know what, we'd like to be entertained. Um, I, I hopefully throughout what you see in our play as we continue to develop as a program, whether it's on the rink, whether it's out in the community, uh, that we're okay being held accountable. Uh, whether that's what we do on the ice, our effort, our attitude. We're going through some bumps in the road right now. We've, we've got to get our discipline under control or we're going to be in trouble this, this early season. Um, and we'll see this upcoming weekend. Um, and so that's something that we're going to have to, if, if, if I go to a hockey game, a football game, a basketball game, a baseball game, and I see an undisciplined group out there, Maybe I'll feel a little cheated when I walk out of the building. So I'm hoping that we'll be able to establish some consistent things here that everybody, no matter if it's a win or a loss, which I know what they're expecting and what they want to do more often than the other. Um, but I do think there's a process there that we want to make sure that uh, that anybody in the state, anybody at the university, and, and the first and foremost, the guys go out and make their families proud with the name that's on the back and that they go out and, and take the opportunity that we have here to represent the university in the state of Wisconsin and make sure that we give back in that in a way so that everybody can be proud whether we win or lose. It's about how we're doing our business. Yeah. Oh, well said. <clears throat> We've had some Badgers over the summer leave through the porthole, portal. We've had players come in to play for the Badgers through the portal. As the coach of the Badgers, what do you want in a player? What are you looking for to come and play and throw on a Badger jersey. Well, when you when you talk about again, I'm going to use that kind of that three legged philosophy of uh, if you're looking at the athletic side, our games changed. You have to be able to skate. There used to be some guys that we played with that couldn't skate across the street but could stick handle and shoot it through a a straw, and they were pretty successful. Right at that time in the game because of yeah. what they could do, even though they couldn't get around the rink row wall. There's not a lot of that anymore uh, because the way the game's being called. So I'm going to say I want, I want somebody that can skate, somebody that can get around the rink. Uh, second thing that, that right with me is can they think the game? 
Um, and, and what I mean by that is do they, do they have the blinders on or can they see from side to side? Can they think about what's going to happen uh, next quicker than somebody else? So really a, a, an ability to, to think the game on both sides of the puck, the ability to anticipate what's going to happen, and then a commitment level, a commitment level to their training, what they get to control. How are they in the classroom? What do they do out in society? What kind of teammate are they? Um, when we're upstairs watching them and, and we see somebody that because they didn't get a pass on a back door, do they put their stick in the air and slowly go back to the bench and make the other guy go back check to his end to clean up his mess? Or is it somebody that's setting the next guy up for success? So it's, it's the well-balanced piece you're all hoping for. Now, sometimes there's it's not a it's not a thirty three percent thirty three and thirty three. Uh, if I, if I, it, I wish it did, it just doesn't. Um, at times, you've got to look at the blend of what's what's the need, um, and then but really, you know, you want to bring people into your program that's going to make you better and, and understand that there's not going to be things that are given. Uh, opportunities are given, but then to be able to keep that and have it again, you have to earn it, um, and and you want people that have that type of mentality if you can what are you expecting in the atmosphere in the locker room obviously you want harmony i mean that's that's the first thing but you mentioned discipline a little bit you mentioned what you're looking for in a player that's on the ice what are you looking for from your leaders or your top players in the locker room a great question because that those intangibles for me it seems change every year based upon the personalities of our leadership group I've had some guys in there that are harder than I on the other team, the other the other players on the team themselves, the expectation level. And I don't find out until years down the road that, you know, I thought it was one of the easiest teams to coach. And it was because the leader drove the directive. I didn't have to say much. We didn't have to as a coaching staff. Um, you know, you, you like guys that I've tried to morph different players into different leaders it hasn't worked for me maybe there's some coaches that can do that i've had to learn through making mistakes different guys lead in different ways you know when i I talk to our leadership group before we ever you know after the guys vote ask the leaders are you okay taking this responsibility because for us as a staff that's our conduit to the group you know, can they take our message? Can they take their message and deliver it to both sides and, and be okay being questioned from both? Um, so to me, you need somebody that's confident, somebody that takes their dailies on what they're doing. It's, it's hard to lead if, if your backseat isn't clean and you're asking somebody else, you know, where's yours? And you're not emulating that. You're not showing them how to do that so to me i think you've got to have a well-balanced confident young man that cares about each other as much as he others as much as he does about himself yeah totally Very agree good. with that yeah i got one last question for you coach and that is <clears throat> obviously long range goal is to win a national title what is a short range goal right now as the new badger head coach find a way to beat the beaver on friday in Bemidji. <laughs> there you okay. go. That's pretty short, JC. Short and sweet, baby. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, you know, we always talk to the guys about just kind of stay on their dailies. And I think as a coaching staff, we've got to, what we're selling, we better be, we better be living. And, and so let's handle what we control right now and try to put, you know, a couple days into a week, a couple of weeks into a month, 
you know, you can, you can come up for air at Christmas and see where you're at. Uh, reestablish some things on a daily, but at the end of the day, just stay focused on what we get to control. We don't know what injuries are going to be. We don't know, you know, all of us going through the pandemic. I don't remember anybody that I knew of that was saying, hey, this is coming down the road. So we've got to be prepared for anything. Um, And so trying to keep it as limited and as as short-sighted as possible to then maybe get to something around Christmas where we can look back and and do a little bit more evaluating. All right. Coach, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, Your passion, your enthusiasm, and your matching hairdo with Mogi. I'll make it a great podcast. <laughs> Mogi, you pull it off a hell of a lot better. I don't think I do. so, man. I was, I was admiring your saying. He looks pretty darn good with no hair. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, please don't forget to leave us a, a review or a comment. And uh, it, it helps us stay in the game. And, and again, Coach, thank you for your time. I appreciate you guys having me on. Keep crushing it. All right. Thanks again to our special guest, Mike Hastings. And thank you to our audience. And please remember our sponsors, Riverside Bike and Skate, Chippewa Valley Orthopedic, and Sports Medicine, Computer Recovery Associates, Eau Claire Ford, and Market and Johnson. Follow us on your favorite social media platforms as well as YouTube. And remember, folks, until next time, keep your head on a swivel and stay on your inside edges. <laughs> <laughs>